What's up, Jabronis? Welcome back to Two on Five, your one-stop shop for all your top five lists. I'm Drake. I'm still Brett. And we are here to talk to you today about our one of our favorite hobbies to do while you're stuck inside the house. Um, if you're like us, you're probably spending a lot of time at home right now. You should be social distancing. Even if you're not like us, you should be spending a lot of time at home right now. That's that. Yes. So one of the things we want to bring to you during this, uh, you know, national health crisis, worldwide health crisis is something to do while you're inside. So we're going to talk besides about, washing your hands. Yeah. Besides washing your hands, because you can only do that so many times. <laughs> we're going to talk to you about our top five favorite board games. As we were looking at the lists, um, you know, I think there's a pretty clear difference in our lists. Um, so one of us is going to talk to you about some of the newer or, you know, maybe funkier board games that are out there that you may not have heard of and are also more geared for older players. Um, if you're like me, you are stuck inside with two miniature savages uh, throughout the day. And so I'm going to talk to you about some of the games that you can play with your kids that you can also enjoy. Yeah. Uh, the, the lists are, are, are pretty different. Um, I, I, I got plugged into playing some of the newer, uh, European style board games through a friend from college and, um, been kind of interesting being introduced to some of those. And I guess we'll just get it started. Um, our number fives are actually pretty similar. Um, let's talk about yours first because mine is a variation of it. So, sure. Uh, my number five is a game you've probably heard of, and it's called Ticket to Ride. Um, basically, the idea is each player is responsible for building a train route from point A to point B and trying to collect the proper pieces of the route as you go along, you know, where if I have to go from Munich to Rome, you know, I have to collect the pieces of the route that complete from Munich to Rome and uh, really fun game. You can play it with two people. You can play it with, you know, four five, six people. Um, you know, there's a lot of options there. And for me, this is a, a great game to get kids into the bigger world of board games. You know, it's, it's really easy to digest, but also high level enough that you enjoy it. And so it, it's really that perfect blend to get younger players into a board game that their parents can also enjoy. Right. And like mechanically it, it is simpler. Like it's, it's cards, which is nice. Uh, and it's not, I mean, there's definitely counting and there's definitely numbers in it, but the core gameplay of it um, doesn't involve super high level math skills. So you're not cutting out your youngest kids, which is nice. Also um, the pieces being as concrete as they are, like you're using miniature trains and placing them in spots also really helps with that. And there's so many different uh, boards for it. Like you can get like the, um, the base game is United States and then there's, you know, different countries all over the place. There's the Nordic countries one, which is the two player variant you were talking about. And it's a, it's a great game. It's, it's one that it's one of the few games that like is 
part of this newer European wave of board gaming that I feel like you can get almost anybody into. Because there's yeah. a lot of them like they if like they're fun, but you you got to want to learn those rules, right? It's Whereas, work. It, yeah. it can be work to actually get build up the skill set to even enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And Ticket to Ride is definitely not one of those. Yeah. Um, the number five I picked was actually a variant of it called Ticket to Ride New York. Um, it, I think at one point it was actually a Target exclusive. I don't know if it is anymore. But um, it's, um, it's a quite simplified version of Ticket to Ride. It takes place in New York City and it's uh, doing like sub uh, taxi routes is what it is. And the reason I picked this one is because it's a two-player game, and if you are social, if you're being socially distant, you usually aren't going to have a lot of people, so you're probably only going to have another person that you might be able to play with. And this one is a short game. Uh, this game is 15 minutes, and so like just because since it's New York, there's just not as much ground to cover. It goes a lot quicker. Um, I think it's easier to even teach little kids because again, there's just less of it, but I picked it up. It's actually, I think it was like 15 or 20 bucks at target. So oh, I mean, nice. not like, not like that's the other thing with some of these board games is they do start to get a little wild with uh, what they think you want to spend on them, <laughs> you know, but this is like, it's a, it's cheap. It's quick. It's what we're looking for. I feel like it's portable, you know, it's easy to set up elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you were in a position to travel, which you're not, but yeah, it's something, uh, the ticket to ride games are great. I think they're, they're, the artwork's super cool, um, and fun. It's got a, it's got a very distinct style. Um, and you're right. Like the pieces are big and, you know, like they're, they're pretty and they're easy to see, easy to hold, easy to understand. Um, you know, everything about it is just a great jumping off point for the world of, of tabletop gaming. Yeah. So my number four game is actually basically the complete opposite of, uh, my number five game. This is, <laughs> uh, it's called Axis and Allies, the, um, the 1942 edition. There's like four different versions. The 1942, uh, edition is the most complex of them all. Uh, you basically are simulating World War II. Um, they start you off at a, at a specific accurate historical point, and then you move on from there. Um, you can play, I think it's like two to six or seven players. Basically, uh, you can have it split. So you, one person is the Axis powers and one is the Allied powers from World War II, or you can they can have you split it up by like major countries. Um, this game... I have played all the way through once because the setup alone takes 45 minutes and playing it takes anywhere from, I would say the shortest you could get this done is probably five hours. And the longest, I know people that have played solid weekends. Like, wow. Uh, it's just, it's that complex. Like it involves ground troops. It involves air troops. It involves, uh, the, the navies and like every piece is accurate. And like, that sounds cool, but parts of it aren't cool because like the boats, like 
you have to look them up on in a chart because you won't be able to tell what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Like it's, it's wild. It's so complex. But again, if you are stuck in a house and you don't have anything else to do, this is the time to play a game like that. Like where you have the time to learn all the rules and really think about the strategy and you're not going to get frustrated with a person taking their time, figuring it out when it's their turn. It's not a game I would recommend all the time, but if you've got the, like right now, like if you've got the time, if you're stuck inside, this is, that's a very, it's a very cool game. It's very well made. And there's other variations. Like there's uh exercise D day, which is more streamlined, like, which is a much more streamlined version. There's 43, there's 39, you know, like there's different years and, but 42 is the one that's just like the deepest and it's, it's fun. You just got to have the right person to play with. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those games that you really want to dedicate like an entire Saturday to. Mm -hmm. And especially if you are, looking for something to do where you want to shut off the screens in your house, you know, and shut off the electronics and just kind of tune out and gather around the table for a day. Um, this is a, a great way to do that. You know, if you want to invest the time and, and, uh, energy into doing it, you can put an entire day into this and it's going to be an enjoyable day. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve and like, you got to know your audience, you know, like you, this is not the game for somebody who doesn't have the attention span for it or who is yeah. absolutely not interested in it, you know, but if you've got like a kid who's risk isn't enough, you know what I mean? Then this is the next type of step. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to dumb things down a little bit again. <laughs> But uh, going back to games that you can enjoy with your family, and this is one that is just kind of an all-time classic. Uh, my number four is Trouble. And it's it's simple enough, and that's part of why I like it. It's so simple that everyone in my house can play it. Um, you know, I've got two young kids, and they both, uh, as long as your kid can count, they can play Trouble. And so that's what's nice about it is that it's easily accessible. Um, you know, there there really isn't any skill involved with it, which means that for parents, you don't necessarily have to dumb yourselves down to let your kid win. You know, like your kid can just win outright, uh, which is cool. You know, I mean, kids like to win board games, and that's what kind of keeps them engaged. But also like the... Uh, the big feature with trouble is the pop-o-matic, you know, dice roller. Yeah, the bubble. And, yeah. And it's a huge hit for kids. Like well, that's yeah, something it's noisy. It, yes, it's noisy. It does something. And it's something that you are supposed to do with the game. And so it helps make it fun. Uh, it helps keep them engaged and, you know, is just a really great introduction for your littles to get into a board game. Uh, it's quick as hell, you know, so it's something you can play multiple games in a night if your kids are into it. But to me, it's just kind of a classic board game that you can't screw up. So uh, that's why it makes my list. Yeah. Like, you know, there's something to be said for a game that you get out and within five minutes you are playing and yeah. everybody's playing. And 
that's that's stuff like trouble or sorry or any of those types of games to a t like you're just you're you set it up and you're going and that's not and that's nice like mm-hmm. i love these crazy complex strategy games but like sometimes it's like getting somebody convinced to play trouble is there's a lot less effort than there is when it's like, Hey, you want to play this game you've never seen before? And it's got 95 pieces, you know, like, like you said, you've got little kids like that, like trouble doesn't cut anybody out. Anybody can play trouble. And you know, the younger they are, the more excited they are to roll the dice. And so, you know, it's a, it's just a really easy mechanic to get kids interested. Um, so yeah, it's classic. Moving on to my number three. Um, this is another one that is a classic board game, and it is very near and dear to my heart. Um, this is the board game that holds the record for best cinematic interpretation. And well, Jumanji is hurt. Ooh, I don't know. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my number three is Clue. I love this game. Uh, I've got a lot of great memories growing up playing this game with my mom. And it's something that is really kind of that next level for kids boards game board games where you start getting into some critical thinking and also some deductive reasoning, you know, as, as you move, play the game. So it's... If you don't know Clue, I'm not going to spend a podcast explaining to you how to play Clue like you guys fucking get it. But <laughs> um, it, it is cool because I, I remember, you know, moving along the game and trying to discover things and, and learn things and then trying to figure out, OK, what's left? You know, what is what haven't I found yet that could be the murder weapon or the murder suspect or, you know, the location of the murder? And it's just if you're into that kind of thing, it's it's really easy to suck you in and engage you throughout throughout. So like you want to see the end of the game, even if you don't win, like you want to see how the game ends. And so I think that's really special that it's something you can enjoy, even if you're even if you lose um, it, it also kind of encourages you to take some risks by making accusations <laughs> and and that's something that you know I, I think is a good skill for kids to learn like how to make an educated guess or you know a, an educated decision on what I think happened here um, and like I said it, it is got the record for the best cinematic interpretation this movie was great um, you know, they did a great job making it fun, but then also making it goofy and adult enough that it's, it's a cult classic. So was this, was that the first movie with multiple endings? Yeah. Like it might be. Yeah. Um, no clue, clues, just clues, a classic, like the, it's interesting because I feel like every person ends up like not every person, but most people have probably played it when they were kids to the point where when you're an adult, it's hard not to just like, I'm not sure I could even be critical of clue. Like, it's just, it's such a nostalgia bomb for me. Like it reminds me of like indoor recess, you know, like just, (laughs) uh, and hoping that, you know, you got, you grabbed the copy that had all the pieces. Um, 
a couple things. I actually, uh, when I like uh, last few years, I've been kind of getting all my board, like getting a board game collection together, and you can actually order the like '80s, '90s version that we all had. Oh, right. Instead, instead of the new, instead of the newest version, so that was pretty. Like I said, you want a nostalgia bomb? Like get that one with like kind of the greenish cover. Oh man. Oh yeah. And then um, while I was looking for that, if you go on like Amazon and you look up like if uh, you can look at these things, they're luxury editions, and uh, it's like a bit. It's it's a, almost like a coffee table size wooden board and. It's got like glass or plexiglass over the top. And then what they've done is they've almost done like, it's almost like the board game has like the rooms are uh, almost like a dollhouse, but going down. Oh, okay. And so like, it's just, so they're like sunken into the board. Yeah. And like, it's really cool. Like really expensive, (laughs) really (laughs) cool. Uh, But yeah, like clues great, you know, like you said, there's not a whole lot to really be mined out of that uh, bit of content, but uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And um, another game that like I f- I feel like you can definitely bring in people from all ages again. Yeah. Like that that's always good. So, well, my number three is a game um, called Azul. This is a game that is actually pretty new. It um, it won the Spiel, I think, like two years ago, three years ago. So it's, it's relatively new. Uh, basically, the point of the game is you are making a tile, uh, a pattern out of tiles, and um, it's supposed to be like a mosaic. Um, it's it, they use these really cool resin tiles that are just really uh really pretty to see and like they have really good feel um it's hard to it's it's really hard to describe it it's it's more of a game you almost have to play but uh i i like the game because it's got a lot of logic and reasoning stuff but um not a lot of hard math i think it's a game that i think i don't think there's enough action in it for like say Dominic, but I think Drayton would be into it if that makes sense. Like, I think a kid who's like six, seven, eight, if they mm-hmm. if they're if they're paying attention, they could really get into it. But I have not introduced this game to a person that did not like it. Like, it's it's fairly quick. It's pretty, you know. Like, there's not a lot of setup, and it's easy to grasp. Um, then the other nice thing is it is it expands from like two to five people. So you, the game is the same if you're playing two versus if you're playing four or five. Like it, it was uh, designed really smartly where you just end up removing the amount of tiles to make the game uh, <clears throat> the challenge the same. So anyway, um, it's a it's a really really cool game. Uh, and I think that I, most people would be into it. So I am not familiar with this game. And I also noticed that it was a, a late scratch on your list. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost reminds me of dominoes. Like um, there's a, a bit of a dominoes look to it. 
Yeah, the, yeah. Like uh, the only thing about it, like you're definitely not playing on anybody else's stuff. Like it, it, it okay. separate it separates everybody out pretty hard. Like you've got everybody's got their own board, but um, there's definitely a social aspect of like grabbing tiles that are that are center based and everything. So I, I could see where you, where you're getting that. So um, we'll just keep it moving to more games that people don't know. Uh, <laughs> my number two game is a game called Maki Koro. Uh, Maki Koro is uh, technically called like a city builder, but it's um, played with a deck. It's played with a deck. Everybody has access to the same starting cards. And what you're trying to do is buy uh, industry and restaurants, things like that, that are part of a city and you're rolling dice. And what happens is whenever you roll the dice, if you own certain cards, that will pay you money. The more money you have, the more stuff you can buy. And what you're trying to do to win the game is there are these four like landmarks, not the correct, like the perfect term for it, but there's like these four major construction things that you're trying to get built that are very expensive. Whoever gets the, whoever gets to that point wins the game. But what happens is like you start off with these things that if you roll this, you only get paid one penny. Okay. And, but by the end of it, you're getting like, there's times when you're rolling and people are getting like 60 or 70. And it's just because you bought all these different things and you, and they stack on on top of each other and there's a finite amount. So if like you bought all of the twos and I couldn't buy them. And so anybody rolls a two, then you're getting paid and I'm getting nothing. And it's fun because they've, they've put a couple expansions out, but actually um, the first expansion is pretty good. It frees the game up a little bit. The second expansion just adds too much and bogs it down. But what's fun about it is the game is never the same twice because you're playing with different people and everybody's buying things differently. So the game, the way the game is styled, it can't be the same. When I played it, the first time I played it with a kid was probably five years ago with Mario's nephew. And at that point he was like 12 and he got such a kick out of screwing over his parents <laughs> just by like, just constantly buying the thing that right before what they wanted to do. And it was just so funny, like to see like that, the planning going off in that sort of way. Anyway, it's, it's a really fun game. Um, the nice thing is it's, it's an, like, because you're, stuck in a house with probably one one other adult but you might be lucky to have a couple more but it scales so again you can play with two people or you can go all the way up to i think that i think base maki is up to six so it's almost like monopoly and sim city met at a craps table and had a baby yeah uh, I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm picking up here is there's a lot of different elements from some classic games that mm-hmm. most of us grew up with it at some point or another. I don't know how many of you guys spent time at the craps table like I did. Um, <laughs> but I no, I, I mean, even playing SimCity as a kid on the computer like you, uh, a lot of us are used to those kind of city builders or, you know, civilization or like the roller coaster tycoon type stuff uh, also with the elements of buying up real estate to you know to generate your income like in monopoly 
Mm -hmm. uh, unlike Monopoly, this game is done in 30 to 45 minutes. Oh, so <laughs> That's <laughs> like, perfect. Yeah, it's definitely a pretty hard time limit. So, Cool. Uh, moving on to my number two. This one is another classic and uh, another one that is palatable for kids, but more older kids. And it is Risk. That is my number two. I have a lot of fond memories of playing Risk, like even through middle school and high school. Um, you know, this was a, a good game to get a group of people together and, and see if you could finish it. Um, you know, it, it is a little bit longer at times, but it is finishable, which is nice. Oh, yeah. um, one of the things I always enjoyed about Risk, and it may be a little bit difficult to do right now, depending on how many people you have play, but the alliances were always the thing that I enjoyed. Uh, you know, teaming up with with a another nation that maybe has more resources than you do, but you have more land, and to start making those trades to keep pushing your way across the map, and how those unfold and how they fall apart at the end because they always fall apart. Yeah, when when are you going to screw me over? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Soon. Like <laughs> that's mm -hmm. always the answer is soon. Mm -hmm. but it, it, it's it's a lot of fun um pretty classic game again that i feel like you can start introducing some of your older kids to and uh there's enough there to keep us adults enjoying it too and your kids can learn some geography while you're at it risk is really cool because for as classic as it is um as Time marches on like risk has actually kind of kept pace with it in certain ways that are is really neat. I mean, beyond just like all the different branded versions of it, like uh, Walking Dead risk or um, I, have sure. Game of, I have Game of Thrones risk, which is the jam. Yeah, but, we should uh, do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, one, a couple of things that are really cool about risk. Um, there's been a, a new version of game that's come out recently within the past like five years uh, there are these legacy um versions of games i don't know if you've heard about them uh like pandemic had had a legacy and uh risk has risk legacy and what it is is if you buy this game you need to have a group of people that you're going to play this game a few times with but what happens is there's um rules in it that you're gonna end up basically changing the game as you play so like uh like risk legacy i know like you end up like you write on the board and like there's cards that you rip and throw away and there's new oh, rules wow. that are made for it and like it's it's made to be played like 30 like 20 or 30 times i like i've never been able to do it because like i do not have a group here where i could reasonably play a bunch of times but the legacy stuff is really cool um the other thing that i really like about risk is if you are stuck in a place where you don't have anybody to play with risk has done digital uh, board gaming really, really well. Um, they have a really good version on mobile. They have a really good switch version, which is on sale right now. And I should probably pick it up, but uh, <laughs> like risk just uh, by the, by its nature, it's very, it's very regimented for turns and there's only X amount that you can do. Like it really works well with 
the digital space. So, um, yeah, risk is great. Like it's super fun. It's very long. And the fun thing about it is I feel like if you're good at strategy, you should have a good chance, but because it's dice, it still might not matter. And like, I don't, for some people that drives them crazy, but I think it's pretty funny. So, yeah, that's something that I appreciated about risk is the, there's a lot of things that can stack up in your favor, you know, to help add modifiers to your role, but your role still is what you get. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, you can, you can see the best laid plans fall apart in a hurry. And so I, I think adding that level of complexity really helped the game stay good versus just like a one and done kind of thing. Yeah. Um, as well as their foray into every other media market. So oh, yeah. I've got it on my phone and I will be downloading it on the switch tonight. <laughs> um, I've earned it. Moving on to my number one. Uh this one is a little bit non-traditional from everything else we've got on here, uh, but still very much a tabletop game and something that I spent a lot of my formative years enjoying. My number one is Dungeons and Dragons. And for me specifically, I want the classic Dungeons and Dragons. I don't want AD&D. I don't want, you know, all of the extra stuff. I'm talking about your you're pretty much your basic starter pack Dungeons and Dragons that they've re-released in the last few years with Stranger Things, um, as well as a whole bunch of other variants. If you want your starter set of D and D to look like one of your favorite shows. Um, part of what I love about it is it's simplicity. Like regular D and D is very straightforward. When you move into advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, there's a lot more shit to keep track of and a lot more books to buy, you know, where there you can get yourself $200 into books real quick. Oh, very and, easily. Yeah. You know, with, with regular D and D between the player's handbook and the dungeon master's guide, you can play for hours upon hours, uh, depending on who you have at the table with you. And you can do it with your starter set of dice you know, basically you're, you're four, you're six, you're eight and you're 20. Um, and, and you're good. You can make it work from there. And so I like the idea that the starter sets have normally pre-generated characters that you can pull out and help somebody get started on, you know, so they at least have a guideline of how, how they want to build their character. Um, and, and I like the fact that as you move along, you can buy maps for it. You can buy figures, you know, you can build it up as much as you want, or you can keep it simple. Like you don't have to put a dime into this game to keep it relevant other than pencils and paper. You know, if you want to draw your own map or if you want to um, hand write some notes for yourself, you, you can do that. And, you know, it's one that really, it got a bad rap in the eighties with all of the satanic panic stuff. But this is such a great entry into imagination and storytelling and all of the mechanics that you see in current day video games regard, you know, regarding 
somebody's armor or somebody's weapon and like what advantages and disadvantages they have. Those all came from the D and D structure. And so like, that's something that's held up for decades. Um, you know, when you, when you play any final fantasy game, you're basically looking at a D and D structure on the screen. And so I think that's something that's special about it. And going back to that to help encourage kids to use their imagination and to tell stories and to be a leader. Cause that's one of the things too, you know, the, the responsibilities of dungeon master, especially if you're playing the game along with your party, because that happens more times than not, because there's only so many people to get at a table. Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up with some time management and even like attention management as you're trying to drive the story as the storyteller and as a member of the party. So I, I just feel like there's so many great things and great skills that people can work on. You know, young kids can work on through D&D. And as adults, you know, it's kind of gotten popular again with, uh, oh, the my brother, my brother and me guys. Oh, Adventure Zone. Adventure Zone, yeah. Um, you know, they put out a, a regular podcast of their D and D campaign with their dad and it's great. And one of the things that's really special about it is the constant reminder to enjoy yourself and laugh at yourself throughout the campaign, you know, do a silly voice, do something dumb, uh, because it fits your character, you know? And so I, I feel like there's just so many opportunities to, you know, learn and grow and also just enjoy yourself with this game that makes it a perfect tabletop game for me. Yeah. Um, I haven't, pl- I haven't played D and D since high school. Like, uh, it's not because I dislike it. It's just, like you said, it's hard to find the time and people, um, the campaign I did get to play in, like, we didn't even use maps. Like it, it like it's, it depends on what you're going for. You know what I mean? Like, right. and that's, that's the cool thing about it is how flexible it is. Like we were much more of just a, it was a story thing, you know, like we were, you know, we still had our characters. We still had hit points and all that. We still had to do all the map and roll the dice, but like going three squares forward or something, that was not part of what we were there for. And, it, but right. for some people that, that is very much what, the, what they're there for. Um, and then like, and I know you've been talking about just like straight up, like whatever, you know, uh, not talking about like AD and D and all that, but there's also just all, all the new revisions of it, which have, yeah. from what I understand, have really streamlined it. Um, and like you said, there's been kind of a renaissance of it with like, you were talking about the adventure zone, uh, Penny Arcade does their acquisitions incorporated and they have like two different podcasts with that, uh, you know, and then obviously the, the like genesis of Stranger Things, I guess, almost their entire plot. Yeah. Um, also the LARP, the LARP community. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good for them. Um, <laughs> but the but the neat thing about like Dungeons Dragons is like it's also just it's also just a game system. Like you can graft any story on top of that that you want. Like. Yes. You don't have to have a dragon. You don't have to have dungeons. It doesn't have to be medieval, you know, like that type of stuff. You can make a sci-fi story. You could. Yeah. You want to go to space? Go to space. Yeah. It can be whatever you want, which I mean, you need to have like a a dungeon master who you trust to make a story that'll work for that. But 
even if you don't have anybody that's in that mode of creativity, like you said, there's pre-made everything. Like the internet is a wonderful thing. And if you want to find a campaign, you can go there. So, yeah. Um, well, my number one game is, uh, is, a, is a straight up board game. It is called Karuba. It is two to four players. And basically it is a, it's a game where you're, where you're making paths. And there's a couple reasons why I picked it as my number one. I think, like, personally, I think you could have five-year-olds, as long as a five-year-old was interested, you know? I mean, like, if a kid doesn't care, they don't care. But, like, it's a simple enough game. I think you could have a five-year-old play it. And I, this is another game that, like, I've never played it with somebody who was, like, I didn't care for it. Like, it's, it's super fun. Basically... At the beginning of each thing, everybody gets their own board and they have four player characters and four temples. And you're, you set the player characters on one act, side of the axis, you pick which way you want them to go, and then you set the temples on the other. Um, each person gets to pick one of each. So like you would pick the orange ones and I'd pick the brown ones or whatever. And then what happens is um, it's a it's a board that's just tiles and everybody has these squares and the square the squares are just pieces of cardboard and they've got paths on them and there's numbers and you use a random number generator to call out the numbers and that tells you how what order you go in and you're just trying to build paths and you're trying to make sure that you're all four of your players can make it over. And it's fun because it's another game where the premise of it is the same, but due to the fact that it's randomized, the game itself will never be the same. And um, you're also trying to grab treasure and there's little jewels that come with the game. So like, that's always fun. You know, like, again, it's a concrete thing. It's fun. It's, um, the pace of play is mandated by the person that's just calling out the tiles. So that's nice because sometimes I feel like with any of these board games, you get into the weeds a little bit and then suddenly you're like, holy shit, we've been playing Where this were game we? For an hour. Yeah. yeah, we were an hour and a half in. Whereas this game, it's, it's a pace of play that everybody's doing, you know? And with that with that pace of play like i've never played this game and had it last longer than 30 minutes so it's short mm -hmm. which is nice and it's just really it's snappy it's fun you're thinking the whole time and after the first game when it really all clicks that's when you want to just keep going with it um i can't recommend that game enough. yeah i mean style wise it kind of looks like a uh indiana jones oh yeah or like jumanji even Mm -hmm. Like it just kind of a safari type feel to it. Um, but looking at it, it almost reminds me of those cell phone games where you're trying to connect the pipes to get the water to flow kind from of. point A to point B. Um, you know, and that's what it appears to be doing here with the, the path building. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's that's that is a nice point that you bring up, you know, having a game that once you learn it the first time, you want to go back and play it again because now you feel like you have a, a grasp of how to do it better. But you've also got a random element here that 
even if you know more, that doesn't mean you're going to do more. Well, yeah. And, the, and the, it's, it's a neat balancing act because uh, you're, you're trying to build the paths, but you're also trying to move your explorers to the temples. And like the first one, like basic, they have a scoring element. So like the first one who gets to the temple first gets the most points, but you still get points even if you're not there first. So okay. it just kind of keeps everything going. Like, uh, just a just a really genius little game. One that is fun enough that I don't think there'll be any hurt feelings. And since you're stuck in the, you know, you're stuck in the house with these people, like, there's a reason we weren't like, you should play Monopoly, okay? Like, you have to yeah. live with these people. And, man, Monopoly is designed to piss people off. And, you know... We'll save couple- that for the last day of quarantine, all right? Yeah, you know? And, like... There's one other game that like I thought about like I thought about putting Pandemic on this list. I thought about uh, it. Yeah. I did. It's a good game. It's a great game, but it is a little too close to home yeah. right now. It's it's sort of like the people that are making jokes about like the stand. Like it's just let's back off, okay? Like right. we're, we're kind of living it. But anyway, I will say any of these games will pass some time, and that's what we're looking for right now. <laughs> like we don't know what the future holds, but we do know we're, we all probably have a lot of time to just sit. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it is trying to look at creative ways to spend time together. Um, you know, it's 2020. So as a society, we spend a lot of time staring at screens. Um, and, and so this was just us trying to offer an alternative to staring at your screen all the time or being bummed out by how the world's going right now. Uh, just have an opportunity to just, get your people in your house around your table and enjoy a nice evening doing something different. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, spur your interest or, you know, inspire some creativity for anything else that you're working on. All right, kids, uh, take care of yourselves. Socially, you need to be more distant than you've been. You need to be washing (laughs) those hands. Uh, like we're, we, you know, like I brought that a few times. We're, we're giggling about it, but it's serious. Like, let's just take care of ourselves and try to be understanding of other people. And, you know, well, hopefully I'll make it out on the other side. So, yep. Uh, with this extra time at home, Brett and I are going to spend some time trying to put together some more episodes. Uh, we've got a little bit more time at the house to think about things and also a little bit more availability to get in front of the laptops together. So hopefully... One good thing out of this is we'll have some new episodes for you guys. We like doing it, and we hope you like listening to it. So that's it for this one, and we'll see you soon. All right. Peace. Take care, guys.